Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Happy anniversary. Man, it's just good to, uh, you know, somebody used to ask me one time about, uh, about age. Said, uh, does it bother you getting older? I said, what? Does it bother you getting older? I said, well, according to the Bible, I'm going to live forever. So there's no, there's no age. I'm just going to live forever. And so, no, I love it. And uh, somebody asked me one time, you want to be 16 again? I said, have mercy. No, I was an idiot at age 16. <laughs> You know, well, you want to go back to maybe 30? No, I was a doofus of 30. I, my wife told me I was a doofus of 30. So I, I like getting older and getting wiser. I really do. And so uh, in a church, which you ain't part of it, it's rare to have a church that's established, uh, been here. Uh, new people are still coming in. Uh, the mature people are here. Uh, it's like a family. You know, you got family. You always got every family reunion. You know the ones to get around. You do. Now, and when it became, you know, we, at least I got in the ministry, I said, well, we got to get around the people we don't like. we got to do that. We're going to have to be a missionary to our family, and we're going to have to find them. Because you'd always have, man, I hope Doofus sitting there. Man, he comes to every family reunion. He'll be just a mess to deal with. And I remember about the third year we were in ministry, and they said, you know, we need to find Doofus. Now, that's not his name. I'm changing. We, we need to find Doofus just, just hanging out with him. I said, what are you talking about? Yeah, we're in the ministry. Aren't you supposed to reach the lost? Yeah. Is it doofus lost as a goose in a snowstorm? Well, I don't think anybody's going to try to get around them because we probably got them ourselves. And so, long story short, we normally uh, hung out with doofus, but doofus eventually got saved, and doofus is one of my best friends today. And so, uh, you know, you get what you go after. So, uh, I got a scripture for it. It's called building, building Stronger Families. What we're trying to do is the family started off perfect. It was perfect. Everything was perfect. Weather was perfect. Clothes were cheap, food was free. It was really nice. And then Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sinned, the Bible says in Genesis, they got fired from their job, evicted from their house, and their kids started killing each other. And that was in Genesis. It kind of goes downhill to Revelation, except right in the middle where you have silent night, holy night, we three kings of Orion are. God had an answer for his man that he made. He knew he was going to go stupid on him. He said, I got an answer. I'm going to send my son. I already have a plan to fix it. And so some people look forward to Jesus coming by faith. Uh, we look back onto it by faith. So either way, it's faith. You know, without faith, you don't please God. Without faith, you don't whip the devil. It takes faith. Faith is simply believing that what God said was true. Now, we've taught on marriage and parenting forever. And we started out. Matter of fact, we started out teaching on parenting because, uh, you know, worked for a great pastor and all of a sudden, uh, we, we get lost out into the ministry. I said, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, I guess I'm going to teach on parenting because that's what we were known for. For eight and a half years in our church staff, people would call. Our pastor loved us. And he would send us out all the time. He thought it was good that we'd go out every weekend somewhere, Friday and Saturday, and preach and get to meet people because he knew if we went out, we would fall in love with our own home church, and we did. You know, we realized we had something really good. And so Denise and I, we teach when we had our national conference every year at our local church. Pastor said, well, what do you want to teach on? I said, well, I guess parenting, you know. I'll teach on parenting. Nobody else is doing it. I don't have to fight anybody. I'll be the only one there to teach on parenting. And the reason I knew that's because when we started teaching parenting at a local church, nobody would teach it. We'd have people uh, ask, hey, would you come teach on parenting? No. I'll teach on missions, on money, on healing, on salvation. I'll, I'll teach on anything, but I'm not teaching on parenting. And we said, why not? 
Well, because I love my church. Then why won't you teach us on parenting? Because I love my church. And I know what'll happen. I'll start teaching on parenting. My kids will go stupid. I'll get embarrassed and we'll have to leave our church. I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. I was told this several times. I said, you wait till my kids grow up, move out of the state, then I'll come teach you some on parenting. And that's how I got stuck with it because we looked for three months to find somebody and we couldn't find anybody. Pastor said, Joe, we can't look anymore. You've got to do it. No, no, Pastor. I'm not teaching on parenting. I'm going to the class. I've got two kids. I've already messed them up. I'm going to the class. I'm not going to teach the class. He said, no, you've got a week to get ready. I need 40 classes and... Uh, you know, you need to get started. So I thought, oh, have mercy. So anyhow, I put that together. And so I started teaching what I didn't know. I thought, and I began to research. I mean, I'd been an educator. And I, you learn by teaching what you don't know. How'd you become an expert? I taught what I didn't know. And you get embarrassed doing that. And somebody will tell you, I don't think you know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't have a clue. I'm out here like a goose to snowstorm, but I'm going to learn. And so it began to grow. So Denise and I began to travel. And so we do that thing. So people thought we knew something about parenting because we had six kids. And I had to explain to a lady at a, at a very elegant conference one time, black tie event. And Denise and I were there. And I said, uh, and she said, are you Joe McGuess? I said, yes, ma'am. So, oh, so honored to meet you. We got all your stuff on family and parenting that you've taught. It is so refreshing to meet a man who loves children. I said, well, thank you, ma'am. And then as she's interrupted the conversation, Denise and I were having with another couple. I'm trying to be very nice. But the third time she said, it's just so refreshing to meet a man who loves children. I said, well, now, ma'am, I do love my children, but not that much. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, you know, I've taught all my life, marriage is forever, children are passing through. The Bible says children are a gift from God. He gives them to us on loan. We're to grow them up and give them back. And so she said, well, obviously you love children. Any man who has six children obviously loves children. I says, no, ma'am, you you got the cart in front of the horse. I said, you see that real pretty lady over there? No, that real pretty one. I said, that's my wife. I don't have six children because I love children. I said, children were not on my mind. I have six children because I love my wife, not because I love kids. Now, I love my kids, but anyhow, try to help people get some common sense about them. And so God said that there'd be plenty of children, plenty to feed them. Uh, God told Adam in the garden to be, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue, conquer. In other words, we're on an alien planet. Now, God knew that they were going to go get stupid and fired and all that, but he said, listen, I'm going to give you authority. You're to take authority. You're, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Uh, I don't belong to the devil anymore. I was taken out of the kingdom of darkness, placed in the kingdom of God's dear son when I got born again. I didn't get a high IQ. I just got born again. I had to start growing in God's grace and his knowledge and get in church, participating. And uh, that's how you grow. You grow by helping other people. And so when we started teaching, I said, everybody just, they'd have Denise and I come up front and hey, you come up and then Denise and we sit side by side. We'd have our six kids with us. We'd just take them with us everywhere. Had a big suburban, load them up. I mean, first time in Kansas City, went up there and, and they set us up there. So uh, tell us about parenting. So what do you want to know? And so Denise said, we didn't have any, we don't have any curriculum. We just, you said you invited us. We think he knows. Well, ask a question. So we just did questions and answers for about a year and a half. Well, what do you do about this? And they would find out that most of the time Denise and I didn't agree. And they would talk between the breaks. They said, you two don't agree on much, do you? I said, no, we're married. <laughs> and they didn't know because I, as an old engineer, I had studied. I said, listen, 
a marriage is nothing more than two ignorant people growing up together. Uh, when God made Eve, God looked at Adam, and that's the first time God ever said, not good. Everything was good. And just good, 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 good. Not good. And the first time God said, not good, he's looking at a man. Not good. Not good. And Adam said, what's not good? You. You're alone. He had no concept of alone. He lay down here and take a nap. We're going to fix that. So Adam took a nap, and he woke up missing a rib, and there was a centerfold of all life in front of him. Whoa. I bet God did. I figured you'd like that. And they went off to visit, and they didn't feed the camels that day. They figured it out. Uh, it doesn't take a genius to try to figure it out. What do you do? Well, you'll figure it out. Now, we, we do six months. If I marry a couple, I do six months of pre-marriage counseling. I see for one week a month, one night a, one night a month, just for four hours. I read four books, do a book report, and then the last night I'll talk to you about some stuff. So I tell people the last session's always on sex. And uh, usually I don't teach them anything. And so they're kind of excited last night. I said, listen, uh, I'm not going to teach you anything tonight about sex. Uh, the Bible's full of stuff about sex, good sex, bad sex, wrong sex, right sex. Read the book. And uh, you'll figure it out. Uh, you, you will figure it out because you're not married to somebody else. You don't need to know somebody else. You need to know your spouse. So I've got family members that I love dearly that have been married four or five times, and they realize every time you get remarried, it's a new person. What worked the last time does not work this time. That's because they're different. <laughs> so let me read this scripture to you because I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, Colossians 3:19. Husbands, love your wives. That's just a command. Husbands, love your wife. Mm. And, and never treat them unfairly. Don't treat your wife bad. Well, you know, we kind of knew that growing up. I grew up in a southern home. You're, you're nice to your wife. All the men were nice to the women. And so, but, but women were second-class citizens. You didn't say that, but you just knew they were. A man in charge, uh, get your wife, help you out. And so we thought it was in Genesis somewhere. Now, in God's mind, Adam and Eve were on an equal level. They were the same. And we'll give you that just to say, they were the same. They, they were made for different reasons, had different functions, different strengths, different weaknesses, but they're on an equal level with God. One's not above the other. And so, you know, when we first got married, all the men would go to the, you know, we'd go to the grandparents' house after church on Sunday and eat a big meal with everybody. And then the men would go in the living room and they'd watch baseball or football, depending on the time of the year. And the women would stay in the kitchen and gossip. And so when the men wanted something, they'd say, honey, honey, bring me another piece of apple pie. Honey, sugar, bring me a cup of coffee. And the women waited on the men hand and foot. And so before I was married, I realized, I can't wait to get married. I need somebody not only to suck the lips off my face, but get me a piece of pie. And when Denise and I first married, we were at her parents' house on a Sunday after church, watching ball game. And I said, sugar, go in and get me another piece of pie. And Denise just smiled and said, uh, Joe, you can go get it yourself. said, you put on about 30 pounds, you need to walk a little bit anyhow. And I realized immediately I had not married a normal woman. Denise and I took a test doing a seminar uh, in Lexington last year. We were doing a seminar and we were taking this test. We are going to give this test. I said, I think I know it, but let's take it again. You take it. Th we're on the plane. She's taking it for the women. I'm taking it for the men and we're taking the test. And so we're landing in Lexington. I said, she said, well, how are you doing? Well, not too good. So what is it? Well, according to this test, I'm a woman. <laughs> so, well, that's perfect because according to my test, I'm a man. 
I said, well, pucker up, baby doll, pucker up. And so you marry your opposite. You just don't know that because people that are in love, we're in love. <laughs> no, you're dumber than dirt and blind as a bat. You don't know. God gives you your total opposite because when God made Eve, he had already said, not good to Adam. Not good. I need to make you a helper. You need some help. He didn't make another Adam. It's not Adam and Steve. Then he had two doofuses. I already had a doofus, now I got two doofuses. Now don't, you gotta hang with me here, man. I'm, I'm not dishonoring men. It's Adam and Eve, because Adam was in charge of a lot of stuff. He's over the planet, gonna name all the animals. He, he's a kumbaya, he's God of this planet. I thought, I'm giving you a big job, son. I'm gonna make you a helper to help you do this. Now she's gonna be good at everything you're absolutely not good at. She can do stuff you can't do, no stuff you don't know. I'm gonna make you a helper. I'm not gonna give you another you, you already have you. When two doofuses is just like one of them is not needed. That's a bumper sticker in Texas, by the way. <laughs> you marry your exact opposite. And sometimes in counseling, people come in and they're just so, we, we just don't agree on anything. We just don't agree on anything. Well, praise God, that's excellent. What? Yeah, you're a perfect mask. You're Lord, that's perfect. It's good that you don't agree. What? Yeah, and people get it. They don't come for counseling much anymore. I said, I'm not going to stroke you and pet you on the back of your head. Well, bless your heart. You know, that's Southern for you're stupid, by the way. Bless your heart. <laughs> I said, you know, you made your opposite as a gift from God. They know everything you don't know. They're good at everything you're not good at. You're supposed to use this gift to help you do what God called you to do. Now, the challenge is most men don't have a clue what they're called to do, so you don't need help doing nothing. I said that really fast. The guys that came to date my daughters and married in the family said, you, you know, I need to know what your five-year plan is because I need to know you have a call from God and a gift from God. I don't care if you're called to dig a ditch to China. I don't care what your calling is. I don't call you. God does. I just need to make sure you know what your calling is because you don't need help doing nothing. I'm the one kid that dated one of our daughters, really nice, last kid. I liked him a lot. He dated the daughter, and so he came to the house. I said, now, well, uh, all the kids knew, girls knew especially, said, I need to see that guy 30 minutes before Friday night. Uh, they'd ask, can, can you go out Friday night? And all the girls, I told them, give the same answer. Guy asked, got on Friday night. Can you go out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just need to call my parents on so my date your screen through them. Now, that would get rid of most of the doofuses immediately. Seriously, they wouldn't call. But he won't call. It's because he's a doofus, babe. He won't, listen, I'm a teddy bear. If he won't face me, he's got no business to take care of you. And so they come. So this one guy came to the house, and we're having some pie and coffee. We're just having a conversation. I just need to see him for 30 minutes before Friday, before Friday. Somewhere in that 30-minute conversation, I have one question I always ask. I said, when I son, tell me, what, what do you see yourself doing five years from now? And he was a great kid, I like him. And uh, he said, well, I'm gonna get a, a job out of high school here, I'm gonna get a job at the local McDonald's, I'm gonna get me a Ford F-450 pickup, a Beretta 300 shotgun, and a new hunting dog. And that was the essence of his five-year plan. So I'm just looking at him, we're having a good time in the kitchen, Denise is there, and I said, I, I cut another piece of pie. I said, well, son, you need to have another piece of pie. Well, that's all you're getting at this house. Because my wife and I have trained our daughters up to help somebody going somewhere, and I'm fully confident with the five-year vision you have, you can get there all by yourself. You don't need any help going where you're going. Well, because of the media, we've ruined marriage. I mean, forever and a day for a thousand years. Who are you going to marry? Who my parents say. I see it gets quiet in America when you say that. Well, that's just crazy. Well, then who else are you going to with? I'll marry somebody I'll fall in love with. Well, love's, not what, love's a choice. It's not who you fall in love with. Love's a choice. I've had couples come to where we're getting a divorce. One couple we counsel for a year. We're getting a divorce. Well, I'm so sorry. I'm sad to hear that. So what's the problem? Well, we have fallen out of love. 
I said, well, that's just sad. When did it happen? What? When did you fall out? I don't know. We just fell out. Well, when did you fall in? What? Well, you can't fall out unless you fell in. You weren't born next to each other. When did you fall in? And they, I'm dead. It's a true story. And so, well, you know, we started dating in church and went off for coffee and we go for dinner. We fell in and we got married. Well, that's good. And so what's happened? We've fallen out of love. I said, well, that's sad. I said, listen to me. You cannot fall out of love. You can't fall in. You can't fall out. Love's a choice. For God so loved the world, he gave something. It cost God everything to love us with no guarantee we would love him back. Love's the most expensive four-letter word in the universe. Now, you can fall out of your bed. You can fall off the couch. You can fall out of your car. You can fall off in a ditch. You can't fall out of love. So God had it set up really good from the beginning. I mean, Denise and I would always talk about, we never discussed divorce, ever. There was no divorce in our family. Denise's father had 12 brothers and sisters, so did mine. There was no divorce. Now, we had people that made moonshine, got drunk, beat you up, shoot at you. But no divorce, that's a sin. So what you married, you were stuck with till Jesus came to God. Man, you just stuck. Yeah, yeah there's a whole sermon in that. I can't go in that in public, though. Anyhow. Uh, I want to give you this. We do this every year. Uh, we did this last fall. We write letters to our partners, people that support us. Hey, we want to pray for you. We close the year, like, like you're going to do. With, you know, pastor's going to have you do here. Fast and pray. And get serious. You don't get what you don't ask for. You got to pray. And so we asked them what they want. So these, this was the top four. And there were there hundreds and hundreds of letters that came in. But these are the top four. We try to pull them into the thing. Top four prayer requests from our people that are partners, born again, spirit filled, know Jesus, and here's what they wanted. Top prayer request. Number one, we want more love and respect within our family. I'm sorry, you want what? We need more love and respect within our family. Why? There is no love and respect within our family. Your family? No. We hate each other's guts. We're yelling, screaming, hollering, cussing all the time. Oh, praise God. I wonder what the world's going through. That's sad. Number two, we want more unity, more happiness, and less arguing in our family. Now, these are Christians. We need to argue less. Well, then don't. Number three, we want to be in agreement even when we don't agree. Well, that's not going to happen. I wrote several people. You're asking, well, what can't, God can't do that. You choose to get in agreement. It ain't something you pray for. It's something you got to do. You got to choose to walk in agreement and walk in love. Go the second mile, give me your coat and your shirt. Uh, Jesus talked about that. It's what you do. You know, a marriage is, um, yeah, Hallmark's got the cards all wrong. You know, the cards are in Hallmark. You, and we got a Hallmark card right across from my office. And the cards are so happy. Congratulations, you got married. And, you know, no, it should say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I heard you got married. Because if you don't die at that ceremony, you're a half-dead zombie. Because a marriage is a covenant. And you can't have a covenant unless somebody dies. All covenants were because I'm going to give all my life for you. You're going to give all your life for me. Covenant's about giving your life away, not getting anything. You didn't get lucky. You gave your life away. And what happens with marriages that don't go good, you didn't realize you, you're a half-dead zombie. You should have died at that ceremony. That was what, You didn't get that. They didn't tell you that. No, they just, we ate cake and threw stuff at each other and honeymoon, whoa. <laughs> you're still alive. That's sad. Anyhow. Number one goal, these are the top four goals, same letter, same letter, thank you. Top four goals for this year, we want to grow closer as a family, number one. Number two, we want to have more fun together, which means we're not having any fun at all. Number three, we want to have more unity and peace. We want some harmony. Then number four, we want to build a stronger core in our family. What's wrong? They're divided. Well, in the Bible, if you're in church, you're in a good church, the Bible says, Jesus unites, the devil divides. 
The devil tried to separate God from his throne, God from Adam and Eve, Adam from Eve, Adam and Eve from the children. He's a divider. Jesus says, you're not a father. Make them one together like you and I are one. We need unity. That doesn't mean you're gonna agree on everything. You just learn how to get together. Problem solve. You're a problem solving unit. That's what we do on this planet. We solve problems. Most Christians, because they don't get that, Jesus, every day he got up, and I've shared this so many times, so please forgive me, but every day Jesus got up, I try to mention somebody interviewing him. I imagine CNN being around in Jesus' day. Hey, Jesus, what you got planned today? Well, I got a busy day planned. I'm gonna put some eyeballs on a blind man's head first thing this morning. Uh, I'm gonna raise a dead kid at the funeral when I go through town here in a little bit. And then we're gonna have 5,000 happy meals out on the hillside this afternoon. Got a busy day. I'm in a hell whipping mode. Jesus came to whip hell. Jesus said, the things I do, you will do also. What are we gonna do? I'm a hell whipping machine. I'm looking for some hell to whip. Every day you get up, I ought to make the devil break out in a cold sweat. Hey, big boy, looking for you. Gonna whip me some hell today, man. I gotta find me some hell to whip. But most people are trying to avoid hell. You're not going to avoid hell. You're born on an alien planet. Satan's the god of this world. He still kills and destroys everywhere we go. What are we? We're, in a, we're a hell whipping machine. What are you going to church for? Learn about whipping hell. I'm in a hell whipping mode. But people that don't learn that, oh, well, this Man, my daddy left my mother, and my mother didn't love me. My teacher fought me. My coach wouldn't play me. And I flunked. And my wife left me. My dog bit me. My mom fired me. And everybody's got a sad, thumb-sucking song. Now, I've been in ministry for 30 years. It was a shock at first. Like, I'm sorry, have have you read the book? It's in the book. There's not a second volume. He's got sticking with the same volume. It's for everybody. It's for single people, married people, divorced people. It's for everybody. It works for everybody. We have one enemy. He's been whipped. But he still cheats. He lies. He made a run at Jesus. Jesus never sinned. He'll make a run at you. Your job is to resist the devil. Your job is to live by faith and walk in forgiveness and love people when they don't deserve it. What are you doing? I'm going to find a nut to love today. Find me some mean snot person. I'm going to love them something fierce. I'm going to mess with their head. But no, you know what it is. You know, listen, I've got a Christian family and Christian church. Like, Man, you know what they did. You know what they said. You know what's going on down there. It's like... Oh, he's a gossiper. That won't get it. Just get you more hell. God watches over his word before me. The devil watches over his word before me. Don't give hell anything to work with. But Denise, I first got in marriage seminar. We fought for years, and finally we were in the marriage seminar. We realized hell comes through your mouth like, oh, have mercy. Hmm, hmm. I mean, I can't say what I want. No, a marriage license is not a permission slip to say anything to your spouse to hit your brain. You've got to control what comes out of your mouth because they're still your sister or your brother in the Lord. Praise God. Now, Denise, now we talked to you, he said, what are you thinking? You don't want to know? <laughs> and of course, then, well, what is it? Trust me, you don't want to know because it's not good. What are you thinking? And then we get me, well, I'm thinking, blah, 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 and then it would be out. And that's, then I'd sleep on the couch for a week. And I, that was dumb. Don't, don't do that again. Just don't do that. Let your gaze be gaze, your nays be nays. All that's perceived from the evil one. And so, Denise, we, for three months, we got in a fight one time. I love you. No, you don't. I love you. You sure don't. I love you, dog. I love you. And we just yell. We loved each other. We got in a fight in the kitchen one day after about three months trying to confess over one another. And we just got out of breath. We just. <sighs> I'm tired. Let's sit down and eat dinner. Yeah, let's sit. And that was the last time we yelled. It's like, there gets to a point where you just run out of being stupid. 
let's start building something instead of tear something up. Now I want to give you this. This is, um, this is from Revelation 2, 4. Revelation 2, verse 4. It says the church at Ephesus. God's talking to the church at Ephesus. He's real proud of them. One of the few churches he's very proud of. Said really good things about and so he gets down to the end, and they're just, man, God loves us. He's bragging on us. We've done all these good things, sacrificing. God said, but I have this one thing against you. What? I thought you were bragging on us. I am. I'm pretty proud of you. I told you what I was proud about. But I do have one thing against you. And they said, what? And God says, in every translation, Revelation 2, 4, he said, you have left your first love. What? Yeah, you've left me. See, love does something for people. For God so loved the world, he gave something. Love does something all the time, whether they deserve it or not, whether you're in their mood or not. Love's an action word. If you love somebody, you're doing something for them. They're glad to see you walk in. They don't jerk. Oh, dear Lord, what do you want? I just came home. Well, I don't know. You're always mad about something. You, you, love is a, is a word that really will kind of put things together. He said, you left your first love. What do, what do we need to do? You need to repent. What? You need to remember from where you were, remember what it was like when you were in love, repent that you got away from love, and redo what you did in the beginning. So I need to remember, repent, redo. It's in every translation. What is it? People all the time, I had one couple one time we met up in Kentucky said, uh, you know, I fall in love with my wife six, seven times a year. And I thought he was joking. I said, what? Yeah, I fall in love with my wife six, seven times a year. Are you joking? No, serious. You know, God talked about in Revelation. He talked about Revelation. You have to fall in love all over again. You got to date, fall in love. I mean, Denise and I went through that. We went through seven years, never dated. We taught on marriage. And we just got to realize one day, she said, when's the last time we were on a date? She said, seven years ago. No, we not waited. It has, Joe. Seven years ago, we went here, and that was the last time we went on a date. Well, that's not right. Probably it. So we need to go on a date. Probably do. Said, you want to hire a babysitter make that happen? I wasn't thinking about that, but I, I think I'm thinking about it now. And so I said, so I, I, we, I, we were kind of mad at something. So I said, okay, we're going down the front porch. So I, I went, I made her some hot tea. She loved hot tea. I got a hot cup of coffee and I told the kids, all six of them, mom and I go down on the front porch. Don't come out there. If you come out there, you better be bleeding to death. So if I don't see any blood, I'm going to slap you sideways. You stay in the house. Don't you come out here. So at least I went on the front porch. We got a rocking chair. We got this big Cracker Barrel porch that we built on for our barn house out in the country. So, so we're going on a date. She, she's kind of agreeing, what? We're going on a date. We'll start small and we'll get bigger. Okay, just going, we're going out on a date. 30 minute date. Come on out here. She giggles. She can't, <laughs> and so she's just going to say something, but she kept drinking her tea and I kept drinking my coffee. We didn't say anything for 30 minutes. We're just rocking. It's a pretty day, man. There's dirt, birds flying around and the bird feeders out there and we live on the side of a mountain. You look down the hill, sucking on her coffee. Now the kids are glued to the door behind us. I know they're looking, but I'm not looking at them. We just rock. And for 30 minutes, we didn't say a word. And all of a sudden, I looked at her and she looked at me. And, I said, that's pretty good, wouldn't it? Yeah, we need to do this again tomorrow. Okay, go on another day tomorrow. And the next day, we go back for another 30 minutes. And we had to learn how to date all over again. You know, it's not how much money you spend, it's spending time together. Yeah, bitch, we learn to do nice things, whatever. But love's something you got to redo. So people all the time tell us, well, we've fallen out of love. No, you haven't. I said, you can't fall out of love. You can fall out of your bed and fall out off the couch, fall in the ditch, fall out of your car. You don't fall out of love. Love's a choice. You choose if you don't love. And so people get remarried all the time because they think they fell out of love. No, you need to, go, you just need to stick with one person and start loving them. And we've helped so many couples that did that. One guy had been married, this is the seventh marriage. He'd been through six, six divorces in 10 years, uh, Tulsa County. He said he was the last case one day. So I'm sitting there at the divorce court. I'm the last case. I'm busted, broke, paying alimony to two different states. And I had this thought. He said, I had this thought sitting there by myself. And he said, you think maybe it's me? 
Maybe I didn't marry six crazy women. Maybe six crazy good women married one crazy man. And of course, the next marriage he lasted, and I wouldn't have married him. She's mean as snot. She'd been divorced three times. She's a Cajun woman. Mean as all get out. But they got married, and they chose to stay married. And they got incredible marriage. They adopted five kids from China. They're still in the ministry, been married, I don't know how long, 30 years or something. They just got a great marriage. But they learned. What is it? Love's a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not a movie. It's not a card. It's a choice. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to make sure you go. I used to tell people, when I get to heaven, after I hear my wife thank God for his son, Father, I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to be the second thing that comes out of her mouth. Lord, I want to, I want to thank you for your son, Jesus, that saved me from the Holy Ghost. And number two, Father, I want to thank you for Joe. That was the second greatest thing that ever happened to me. I said, that has been my goal my whole life. And I get there. And, and Denise, we made a film, I think a year ago, where she laughed how ugly I'd gotten my hair. You know, I don't have any hair anymore. And she just hugged me and kissed me from behind. She said, you know, there'd been a time this would have offended me. She said, but I don't care anymore. She said, he loves me. And so like, I got what I was looking for. Love's what you do, not what you feel. So you've got to make a choice. People always look at, well, maybe I, I fell in love with the wrong person too early, too late, too, too, too old, too young. There's no, quit making thumb-sucking excuses. Just make a choice. I'm going to love the one I'm with. I want to mess with them big time. I'm going to love you, you not head down. Especially if you don't deserve it, I'm going to mess with you. Keep coals of fire in your head. Okay, I'm going to talk fast now. Promise Keepers, 1998 National Conference. Over a million men went to Washington, D.C. to pray for the senators, the congressmen. We're having guest speakers. You know, they would come speak, and then we're going to go pray for our senator or whatever. All of a sudden, a million men there in that big mall. And we heard a racket break out. A bunch of yelling. I thought, who's yelling? What's, what's that noise? Because it's just crowded. You can't see. So we're trying to look over the crowd. What is it? Well, it was a bunch of women from a national organization about women. And they're screaming at us. And they took their brassiers off and waved them in the air. So a bunch of topless women are cussing at the men. I'm sorry, what, what, what are they mad at? Who are they mad at? I don't know these women. Get your bra back on. Who are you, woman? Well, they're just mad at men. We're just men. We're mad at men. I'm sorry, where's your mother at? Your mother know you're out here without your clothes on? Billy Graham's daughter is a minister, and she's an evangelist, real good. And so she was at a national conference a few years ago, and she was the only female speaker at the national conference. These are ministers. And when she got up to the podium to speak, one-third of those ministers stood up, turned her chair around backwards, and faced the back wall. They would not face a female preacher. So I got to thinking, you know, I, I, I got a lot of women in my family. Now, I'm a typical male. I wanted a man. I wanted a male. First child, we didn't know. You never knew what they were when I was around back then. We didn't have the secret stuff, take the picture. You don't know what comes out. Well, you got a girl. Well, praise God. Now, I'm not making this up. And not only was it a girl, but she's ugly. And she had a big purple spot on her head, and she'd come out face first, so it's like she'd run into a wall or something. Oh, dear Lord, not only she's a girl, she's an ugly girl. Now, she's beautiful today. She's a college professor and life's real good. She's, she's real good. She runs all my stuff pretty much for me. And so our second child was another girl, like another girl. Her God. And Ben would say, you had another girl? <laughs> I 
Third one was a girl. Fourth one was a girl. By the time I had my fifth daughter, I felt I have no male genes in me because I started studying this determined by the man. Evidently, it's me. <laughs> so when John was born, he popped out. I had a male. And I thought, I didn't know John came out. I like, hey, he's got a thing. He's got a thing, man. We're going to, whoo. I got real excited. And so I'm hollering, jumping around the room. And I said, it's a boy. Today she had a boy, man. And she started crying. She's on the delivery room. They're cutting the cord. And she's crying. So what are you crying for? And she said, we'll have to have another one. What? What? Well, I have to have another one. He needs somebody to play with. I said, he got five sisters. You got plenty of people to play with. Trust me, it's going to be good. And boy, they made sure he was all man. I mean, John learned early. He didn't have to talk. He's a typical male. When he was five, you know, you walk in with all those kids. Are all these yours? No, we found three of them on the highway. Just brought them with us. Yeah, they're all ours. Do you have them on purpose? Yeah, we, 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 yeah they're all ours. And so John was five. They'd, they'd been... What's your name? And John would just poker face. And one of his sisters finds out, his name's John. <laughs> well, how old are you, John? And John just keeps staring at you. He's five. <laughs> and John learned earlier, the women will talk for you. You just need to stare at everybody. Just keep your mouth shut and the women will talk all day. August 18, 1920, women got the right to vote in the United States of America. With 72 years, we didn't allow women to vote in God bless America. Why would you let a woman vote? That's just stupid. It's called they can have babies and cook dinner. That don't mean they know what they're doing when they vote. What kind of country let a woman vote? Now, I've studied for years because I was a typical Southern male, so I've had to change a lot of stuff. So for 72 years, the women wrote letters to congressmen, senators, protested. It took 72 years to get the right to vote in America. The reason I'm sharing that because the devil hates women with a passion. The devil didn't go after Adam. He went after Eve. Well, that's because women are just not as smart. Whatever. No, no. Adam was right there. No. Women, men might be the head. I said men might be the head, but the woman's the neck. And that neck will turn that head wherever she wants us to go. And so we've not learned that we're on an equal plane because we've not known that. We've just, we've got the wrong idea. So let me read this to you. You'll like this. Acts 2.17, talking about the last days. And that day, when I pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. On my men servants and my women maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit. Women are equal in God's eyes. They're not less. Now, in some countries, they're less. In God's eyes, there is no woman that's less than a man. Now, I told all my girls, when I grew up, I said, listen, all you girls, I want you to get married, suck the lips off of your husband's face, give him good, healthy babies. I want you to know how to run business and do stuff. Your job is to love him, but you're not second class. You're not number two. You're not the lucky thing he found. You're on the equal plane. Now, maybe it's because I've married a, a female that came from an all-male family. Like I said, uh, I married a different kind of woman beautiful woman and you had a kiss good cook good man that was a loving cooking blessing woman but she was not a sissy woman either and she knew who she was in him in whom in Christ and we don't do anything stupid and not only let you do things stupid and I'll tell you if you do something stupid you're a blessing hon I didn't know I was stupid until I married you <laughs> <laughs> praise God Galatians uh, Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 talking about it said there's neither male nor female all are equal in Christ. In the New Testament, there's no man or woman. They're all, we're all the same. But what there is, God made women to do certain things, men to do certain things. Certain things men are good at that women aren't. Certain things women, things women are good at, men aren't. And when I fly, I want to fly today, we get on the plane, 
about a third of the time, there's female pilots up there. When I walk in on a plane, I always lay hands on a plane. I bless every plane I get on. I look left, see who the pilots are. I want to make sure they're having a good day. They didn't get yelled at and they didn't get drunk. And I pray for the pilots. About a third of the time, there's a female pilot. When I see a female pilot, I relax. Thank God we got a female pilot. Because see, a female uses both sides of her brain. Men only use one. That's why until females started flying, we had to have two men up there. I'm making that up. It sounds good though, doesn't it? Anyhow, let me read this real quick. Um, these are stories. I collect this for years because having all those girls, I want them to turn out to be good, godly women, uh, good wives, good mothers. But you're not a doofus. I want them to own their own business, do their own stuff, just like the Proverbs 31 woman. She's a virtuous woman. God bragged on her, but she owned five different businesses. Her husband sits with the leaders in the city gate, and that woman got up early, stayed up late, told those people what to do. She ran stuff. She's not a doofus. Wonderful mother, wonderful wife, but she's not a doofus. And so somehow in society, West society, we got to like, oh, well, that's a woman can't, a woman can't do it. A woman like, what? I'm sorry, God made women. God made men, they're, they're the same. Now, you know, I, I just think there's certain things you're better at, but I, I tell people all the time, I think men are good at flying. I, I like them, but if I have a female, that doesn't bother me. So look at this, let me read these real quick. These are all the stories, short stories. Uh, Moses' mother, Jehokabed, uh, Hebrews 11, 23, said, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. They'd made a law where all the babies two years of age and under had to be killed. Um, you know, Pharaoh said, we've got too many these kids, or these Jews are having too many kids, we need to kill them. Well, that's what the devil, the devil got them to kill all the kids. And no, that, that we're not gonna do that. So the mother hid the child, flowed the child down the, and she knew Pharaoh's daughter can't have children. Now they don't print that, there was no newspaper then. There wasn't a, you know, text. They knew she can't get pregnant. She'd have had babies by now. They knew she couldn't have, so she floats that baby Moses down the river in that little basket. Pharaoh's daughter finds it, just like the movie said, and she said, man, I can tell everybody this is my baby. And that's what she said. Well, Moses' mother just happened to walk up when she finds that baby. I'm sorry, I, I see you have a baby there. Who are you? Well, I, I'm a mother, but I've lost my child. And she told the truth. I've lost my child, but my breasts are full of milk, and I can nurse your baby for you. Not only did she get to nurse Moses, she stayed in the, in the palace with Pharaoh's daughter the whole time, and his mom was right there. God has a great sense of humor. God knows how to work things out. You're not a less citizen, women. You can believe God just like men can. Now, God made men, and I like being a man, and I don't want to be a woman. I don't ever want to be a woman. I don't want to have no baby. I want you to have a baby. I'll buy you lots of stuff, and praise God. Ruth, I love this right here. Uh, the book of Ruth, Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, let, me, let me skip this because I'm going to run out of time. Rahab. Rahab's a harlot. Um, Twelve spies go into the land. They're trying to find, check out everything before they cross that river. And, and so they go to a harlot's house. They figure, big, safe place to hide. Who's going who's to look for us here? Because they don't want, nobody's there once you know there. So they knock on the doors. Hey, can you hide us? Can we stay here? She said, sure. So the harlot hides them. Where they come looking. The king realizes, man, they, they're, in, they're in our country somewhere. We've got to find them. Search them out. See what they're Those spies are in here somewhere. So they came to the harlot's house, knocked on the door, and she said, well, you can look. Well, she'd hit them up on the roof, and they couldn't find them. So when the, when the king's men left, she said, okay, I just protected you. You owe me. You promised me when you come back to the city, you know, Jericho, you'll spare me, my brothers, my sisters, my mother, my father. You promised. They said, okay, we agree. We promise. You hang this red cord out your window. And well, no, and that was the only family that survived Jericho. Rahab is in the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. She made the heroes of faith. Who did? A harlot. Why? She trusted God. God isn't looking for males or females. God's looking for people that'll trust him. 
He's looking for people that'll trust him. It doesn't matter what your sex is, who your daddy was. It doesn't matter. God just wants somebody to trust him. God to show up really big. I like this one. Um, Hannah couldn't have any babies. You know, her husband's got two wives, and the other one's dropping babies like rainwater out of heaven. She can't have any. She's in the temple one day, and she's crying. And Eli, the priest, said, what are you doing here, drunk woman? Are you drunk? No, I'm not drunk. I'm crying because I couldn't have a baby. What? I want to have a baby. Well, okay. Uh, well, may God give you what you asked for. And so, you know, now and so she has this baby named Samuel. The greatest prophet in Israel's history was had by a woman who couldn't have any children, but she sought God to have children. She had a child. He delivered the nation. People get what they want, but you got to know what's available. Everything's available to a believer, whether you're male or female, but you got to believe God for it. But more people come, well, he did this, and she said this, and she did this, and he, shut your face up. Who are you? Are you a Christian? Shut your mouth. Say what God says. God, you know, God watches over his word, not the devil's word. You're saying the wrong thing. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. Call those things that be not. I told parents with kids, I don't care. I'm, I don't care if they flunk four years in a row. You're not going to flunk anymore. You're going to pass. You're not going to pass? I'm going to get you into college. <laughs> You're going to make a lot of money because you owe me. <laughs> You're laughing. I'm serious as I can be. I told all of our kids, you owe us. And I'll, I'll show up in your driveway. You owe me. Uh, I'm serious. My, one of my daughters said, don't you ever buy anything for me for my birthday or Christmas that fits in the box? I go to Walmart all by myself. If you buy me something, you either drive up the driveway or it better be a cruise going somewhere. And I've been on two great cruises because I tell them, you owe me. <laughs> parents lay up for the children. Children lay up for the parents. You owe me. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Okay, I've only got two minutes. I'm going to just it. Deborah, a great judge, Judges 4-9. There were no male judges in the land. The men had all went down, but there's a lady named Deborah, and boy, they went to her. If they needed to hear from God, that woman could hear from God. And so she's given a word. She got a word from God that we're going to be attacked by our enemy, but we're going to win. So she's in her house. So the king shows up one day. He's going to war. Got his army with him. Shows up. Deborah said, knocks on the door. Said, what do you want? I need you to go with us. I've already prayed. God's going to give you victory. You're going to have victory. No, I'm not going unless you go. Because you know God and we don't know God. And we're not going unless God's there and you know God. So you're going with us and I'm not going if you don't go. And she said, and the judge, she said, okay, big boy, I'll go. But there's n nobody's getting any honor out of this. God's going to give honor for this victory to a woman. I'm going to give it to a man because there's no men willing to take it. Fine. And she wasn't talking about herself. People always taught that for years. Like, she's talking about herself. No, she was. She's talking about another woman. Four verses later. So, and uh, this gal named Jael in Judges chapter four. The king got, army got obliterated. He's running for his life through the desert because God did give him victory. The king's not dead, but he's running for his life. He's running through the desert and he sees a tent, a little goat herder there. And so he comes up and he's out of bed. <gasps> Man, you got any water. <gasps> and so the little girl said, well, I got some milk. Now she had water, but she didn't say she didn't. She said, I got some milk. I'll take you the milk, I'm thirsty. So she got a goat, she milked a goat. You ever had warm goat's milk? Your eyeballs roll back in your head, you'll pass out for two hours. She got his belly full of raw goat's milk, and he went to, I, I'm really tired. I got to lay down here. Warn me if anybody comes. And she said, okay. And she didn't like it because nobody came. So the heathen king of the heathen army gets in the tent and passes out. And so she waits. He's real asleep. She walked outside. She pulled a tent stake. You don't buy these at Walmart. Big wooden tent stake. She pulled it out of the ground. And she went in the tent. She sat right on the temple of his head. And she took a big wooden hammer. And she nailed his head to the carpet. They don't put that in the movie. It's in the Bible. 
How did the big heathen king go? A teenager nailed his head to the floor. Because a woman said, if a man doesn't want honor, he'll give it to a woman all day long. He'll give honor to anybody who's looking for honor. Too many people are griping. Oh, I married an idiot and I married a doofus and her family's crazy. Shut your mouth. Shut hell off. Shut hell off. No hell in my family. I'm the redeemed of the Lord and I'm going to say so. And you don't have much choice. You're going to have to grow up. I'm not going to give you much choice. <laughs> Denise and always just, if she got upset with me about something, she said, well, so I just believe you have the mind of Christ. You're going to do what's right. Bless God, you better believe it. I am. Because I'm the head of the family. I'm going to do what's right. Well, I believe it, Joe. You've got the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God. You're going to make a good decision. Well, I am. And every time I'd walk, I'd think, oh, dear Lord, the pressure's on. I better not mess this up. I better not mess this up. Yeah, it's funny now. That wasn't funny then. God used a female that won a beauty contest to save a nation, Queen Esther. You know, Esther chapter 4. That guy told her, you've been born for such a time as this, honey, and she did deliver her whole, whole nation. Sarah's called a mother of nations. Sarah, who married a guy who lied twice, tried to give her away twice. What's your name, Sarah? Who are you married to? Abraham. Is he a good guy? Most of the time. Well, how's he treated? Well, he, he tried to give me away twice, tried to sell me. He lies all the time. You've got to have a bad habit of lying. But, but he li- God likes him. God looked at Abraham and said, you know what I like about him? That he lies all the time, trying to give his wife away? No, I like him because I know that he'll teach his children and his grandchildren and all those after me. He's not a perfect man. There are no perfect men. There are no perfect women. There's growing up people that get to repent. Growing up people fall on their face seven times a day and have to get up and repent and forgive. We are in the repenting, forgiving business. But these people say, I'll never forgive. Then you're a thumb-sucking two-year-old doofus. Because you're supposed to forgive every day, walk in love every day, repent every day. I'm not giving the devil any place in our family. I'm going to have a family that's going to learn how to hug one another and forgive one another. It's, gonna, it's, a, it's a daily thing. You've got to do it all the time. I like this. And Paul identified two women as the headwaters of Timothy's faith. I know you got faith, son. Your grandmother had faith. Your mother had faith. They whipped the devil one arm tied behind him. Romans 16, Paul praised nine women as people of courage, proven ministry, and faith. First European convert, Acts 16, was a woman named Lydia. Her and her whole house got saved. At the cross, Luke 23, there were no men except John. The men ran off and hid. Only people at the cross were the women. When Jesus got buried, the only people buried were the women. Who, when, who was there when he came out of the grave? Women. What happened? Well, women don't have much choice. Now, the Bible warns you about a she-bear, not a he-bear. You know why? He-bear will size another he-bear up. They'll start, he-bear, he-bear won't tack, he, won't, he won't mess with the she-bear because a she-bear is smaller than him, but any he-bear that's been here on any length of time knows something. A she-bear will claw your eyeballs out or die trying. She's not trying to prove nothing. She's trying to survive. Said to people, 70% of all humans across the Oregon Trail to settle the West Coast were females, not males. Males turned back. Now, guys, I've taught on family forever, and I've learned something. You need to honor the office of your mother and your wife and your daughter and speak what God says about them because the devil hates their guts. You go to the 1040 window, and those women get raped, beat, abused, sold into slavery. They're not honored. Anywhere there's not a gospel, women are way down the totem pole. But in the gospel, man, women are going to eat you for lunch and spit you out sideways. Because we raise, we raise godly women that can love and hug and kiss, and, and they'll bring fire on your head. Anyhow, 
I like this last one right here. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus told a woman that he was the Messiah. He didn't tell the man that. John 14, 8, Jesus told the Samaritan woman he was the Christ. She started a whole revival for him. Mary Magdalene is an act of worship, broke that bottle of perfume that was worth a dollar, worth a whole year's salary. She poured over Jesus' feet and all the people got met. That woman's wasted that. She said, no, she didn't waste nothing. She knows what I'm getting ready to do. I'm going to the cross. She knows. She's the only one that knows it. A woman knows where I'm going. You don't have a clue yet. She knows what's going on. I had to learn the hard way. God gave me a gift when I married Denise. I love that woman. I, I've told the story so many times. We, we used to make a joke out of it. I said, you know, we went to this seminar in Springfield, Missouri on marriage, three-day seminar. And so this lady got up on a Saturday morning. And so she's, Denise is pregnant with Tessa. So we're there. And so, you know, I figure I know everything. I teach on marriage. Lady comes out, she opens up that session about sex and marriage. It was sex and marriage that Saturday morning. So, well, I might learn something. I think I know everything. Maybe I'll learn something new. She opened up with this statement. She said, dishes, diapers, dinner, and sex, one's about as much fun as the other. There's 1,200 people in that auditorium. Nobody blinked an eye. I looked at me and said, what's she talking about? Lisa, shut up, Joe. You're about to learn something. <laughs> and the whole essence of the 50-minute class was, Women do what they have to do. Men do what they want to do. So women got to come home from work. Two incomes today. They still got to get dinner ready, talk to the kids, unpack the things from school, find out what they went through, what's going good, what's going bad, clean up the kitchen after the kids eat, make sure they all get their bath, make sure they can talk to them, get their clothes laid up the next day. Daddy will go home and watch Monday night. He go in the living room and watch Monday night football and take a nap. He'll wake up about 11 o'clock. Mama will come into the living room at 11 o'clock, greasy, tired, and dirty, dealing with all the family, and she'll plop down on the couch. And daddy, he'll look up like, hey. And he'll wink at her and say something romantic like, hey, you want to do it? <laughs> well, I said, I don't want to do it. I'll slap a knot in your head. Don't touch me. It's always about the kids. It's always about the kids. And that was the whole essence of that 15-minute class. And so we're walking out. And then he said, now, Joe, let me explain to you in case you didn't learn anything. If you want me to play kissy face at 11, I need you in the kitchen with an apron on at 7. So I have them custom made, big old canvas man aprons. I mean, you can order from my website, big old honking things, man. And I have big red lips embroidered on the front, big set of red lips. It says, let's play kissy face. And so it took a year and a half, but I tell everybody, I, I realized that my wife had become a housewife and I realized my house didn't need a wife. I need a wife. Where's your wife? My house stole my wife. My house stole my wife. I gotta get my wife back. So it took a year and a half to convince Denise, but I finally got my, I gave my house to my children. You're gonna wash the dishes, do the laundry, you're gonna sweep the thing, you're gonna do all the clothes, you're gonna, and, and I gave them everything. I said, kids, Denise gets, well, they don't know how to do the laundry. Honey, it's two big square boxes. It's got two buttons on it. They can run a massive computer, they can run that big square box. If they mess it up, then they don't get to wear it anymore. And we would yell about it, but anyhow, a year and a half later, I got my wife back. And I took over the house because my house don't need no wife and I got my kissy face woman back. And our latter years were much better than our former. Let's stand up. Husbands, I'm not talking against the men. I'm for the men. God needs men. He needs real men. This is the day when his spirit's poured out on us. What we need the real men to do is learn how to be a loving man. If I got married, I want to make sure that all men that get married, you better realize something. You promised the rest of your life to serve that woman. And so people would always laugh at us because, you know, when we, Lisa and I would fight, uh, we first married, I, I, I grew up working for the Coca-Cola Coca Company. Coca-Cola is the real thing. It says so on the side of the bottle. 
If you buy Coca-Cola, the real thing. I don't drink Pepsi. That's a watered-down children's drink. I don't want no stinking Pepsi. So Denise, we drank a lot of pop when we first got married. Denise asked to bring home Pepsi. I bring home, you know, Coca-Cola. I said, honey, your parents ruined you. This is better. It's the real thing. Uh, we fought over detergent. You know, my mom used Tide, Tide detergents. Her mom used Cheer. I don't need to cheer nothing up. I got some skanky clothes. I need to put some Tide on it and get it clean. We'd fight over the dumbest stuff, and God got on me about 12 years later and said, the reason I'm not answering your prayer because the way you treat your wife. And so it had been something going on for about three years. I said, I treat my wife good. I love my wife. No. And God said, your wife likes Pepsi. Now, I heard this. Would you believe it or not? I heard it. We were driving to Arkansas. Pepsi? People in heaven don't even know there is Pepsi. If there was, if there's, if there's anything in heaven, there's Coca-Cola. There's no Pepsi in heaven. And, so, and I heard God said about 10 minutes later, I'm just praying in tongues. And Denise and I are having a really good day. We're laughing. And said, your wife likes Pepsi. So I finally had to pull in the parking lot. And I had to apologize. So I said, honey, forgive me. I've been a rude husband. She said, she's giggling. She laughed. No, no, really. I'm going to change. It's going to take me about a year, but I'm going to change it. And so from that day forward, if we ever drank pop, ever, to this day, if I go anywhere and say, Joe, you want something to drink? I said, I like some iced tea. You got any unsweet tea? No. You know, we got some pop. I said, you got any Pepsi? Yeah, I'll drink Pepsi. I've not drunk a Coca-Cola since that, since that day. I still like Coca-Cola. I ain't drinking it because my wife likes Pepsi. And so we only have cheer detergent. You come to any, both my houses. I, I don't have Tide. We don't use Tide. We use cheer. My wife loves sissy dogs. I don't like no sissy dog. I want a dog that bites your leg off, that live outside and I don't have to feed. We never fed our dog growing up. We never fed our dog nothing. You want something, go get it, you doofus country dog. Go get you something to eat. I don't feed no dog. I don't feed no alpo. That's crazy. And so I grew up that way. They script a little sissy dog. And so we've got this little sissy dog. She finally got it because her dad, she got it for her dad and her dad died. And so that dog sleep on the foot of our bed every night. Every night, every night, every night, every night. That dog's down there somewhere. Every night. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to impress you. Every night. So we travel, and they said, Joe, you mind walking this dog? We stop at a truck stop or somewhere, you know, roadside stop, and I'm going to go to the rest. And she said, Joe, you, might, you want to walk a scooter for me? I love to walk that dog. So I get in, I walk that dog, and I put that leash on that little, you ever seen that Shih Tzu? Shih Tzu. That's just the wrong name. There's no tea in there. Shisu. Shisu. Mm. So I'd hook the little dog up, and I'm going to walk my dog. We're going to walk him and let him do his job. Now, now you can't let him dunk. You have to get a plastic glove. They don't let you dunk anymore. So you got to get a plastic glove, and I'm walking my little Shisu. Now, there's men out there with real dogs, but boxers and Great Danes and German Shepherds. And I got my Shisu. And so whenever they say hi, I got to drop my voice. Like, hey, you doing? I'm doing good. Praise God. How you doing today? Amen. <laughs> That's your dog. That's my little shisu. Yeah, that's my dog. Got my little gun. Pick up his little poop right here in a minute. You're laughing, but I'll tell you, I learned something. I'll learn something forever and ever. When I get to heaven, I'll love my wife. I'm going to serve that woman. I'm going to make you want to suck the lips off my face. Nobody can love you like I do. And that's a choice. That's not an emotion. So guys, when you leave today, be nice to those women. Ladies, when he repents, accept it. You just said it because the preacher said it. Shut your yap up, ladies. Shut your yap up. <laughs> Just be nice. <laughs> Just be nice. All right. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Lord, without you, we can do nothing, but with you, all things are possible. So, Father, I pray for everybody that's here today. If we're blinded in any area, take that blindness from our mind and lighten the eyes of understanding. Draw us out of your goodness. Do not leave us where we are. Grow us up in your grace and knowledge, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said. 
We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.